Hello and welcome to the very first Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm your co-host, Sean, and I'm joined by my co-host and half-half scarf-loving jobber. How are you, mate? Good, Sean. Uh, excellent morning at Champions League this morning. How are you? Yeah, yeah, very well. How is uh, lockdown treating you? Ah, just uh, thank God for football, isn't it? Um, it? It's fine. It's a little bit chilly, but if football wasn't on TV, I think I'd have bigger problems. Yeah, agreed. So I was thinking uh, this week with um, with the Gareth Bale scenario going on. So Gareth Bale was left out of the Real Madrid squad this week. Um, it was, and, yes. And based on that... What's the most expensive thing that you have ever bought and then realised you hated? Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. I've bought a lot of expensive, dumb stuff in my time. But uh, probably the biggest one was, do you remember um, those white predators? Um, probably circa 2000, David Beckham, the white ones, had their little Champions League logo on the back. Do you remember them? Yeah, loved them. Yeah, great boot. So as a kid, I wore them and loved them. And then I wore them out, bought a new pair. So I rocked them for probably two seasons. Um, and they recently made a remake of the boot. Um, so they cropped up on uh, Pro Direct, and I thought, yeah, go on, Sean, treat yourself. Own only 350 for the new ones. Um, and so they, they arrived, and they look as good as ever. Open them chuck them on and I think there's a reason why they moved away from the heavy heavy kangaroo leather because these things are heavy as so all the new boots have got um, made of plastic and nice and light and fast which is what I've been wearing for the, the probably 10 or 12 years between the the two pairs of boots um, yeah so these things are heavy and they're just not as good as you remember unfortunately just my one's much more simple than that oh um, really <laughs> Yeah, I bought, I bought a car when I was 19, secondhand off uh, of someone. Just absolute piece of shit. Didn't do what <laughs> <laughs> didn't do didn't do what it was supposed to do. Or what it said in the um, on the pamphlet. Not too dissimilar from Gareth himself. Um, so um, yeah, so that was a straight ahead. Um, so we've got. Uh, the we've got the running order here so we're going to round up the the champions league games today today's games and um and yesterday's games we'll touch on the europa we won't go too too deep into that and then uh then we've got transfer chat coming up um and then we've got jobbers mailbag towards the end so looking forward to that mate do you want to kick us off with the champions league I do. So I'll go back to uh, Friday night's fixture. So Saturday morning, Australian standard, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Manchester City versus Real Madrid. What do you think? Wow. Yeah. Well, I was buzzing for for this game. Um, it it really annoyed me that your prediction um, came true from our pilot pod. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good game. I thought um, Man City probably could have done a little bit more damage if. Raheem Sterling's finishing was up to scratch. Um, I think he had some really good chances and he just botched a few of them. I think if he wants to make that transition from, you know, being a great player that he is into that sort of field that's just behind um, Messi and Ronaldo, um, his finishing is is what really needs to improve. But Man City, uh, good result, got themselves through and um, that is the end of Real Madrid for this season. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought up my prediction. Um, I, I thought about <laughs> I thought about that as the game Beat was the going punch. on. Yeah, don't try and take that away from me. Uh, they, they were, I just thought they were much better. Um, the week that Zidane's named best manager in the world by Lequip and and Pep just pulled the rug from under him. I thought City was City were a lot better. It should have been a lot more, as he said. If Gundogan shoots instead of passing, um, like Real sort of had a period there where they were looking ominous. I think Rodrigo skipped past Cancelo. Um, who didn't track back enough for my liking either. But really, there's only one player you can talk about uh, in this fixture, and I know you, you're really fond of Sterling. I'm going to go to the other end of the pitch. Rafael Varane, what is he doing? Yeah, he's had a howler there. He's already put his hand up and said um, that he takes responsibility for the two goals that he conceded. The first one, he just got um, got the ball pinched off him um, at, in the box and then by... Um, Jesus, and then squared to Sterling, and Sterling, Sterling just tapped it in from probably six or seven yards. But, um, yeah, I think he's – what else can you do apart from put his hand up and say he made the mistakes? Um, he's cost them the Champions League um, this year. Um, what, yeah, what else do you say from him? You, you don't say anything, but you say, like, Raf, put into Rose's head. Like, yeah. you, what, like you, you're trying to – like, City's going to press. You know they're going to press. Like, it's it's good being a, oh, yeah, we're going to be brave and do this. But the the first one particularly, just put it into Rose. It'll clear it. Like, Benzema can hold a ball up, like, potentially one of the best centre forwards in the world at holding the ball up and bringing others in. Like, just put it into Rose. Yeah, well, I, I kind of ag- agree to an extent. I think if you've got – if your philosophy is to keep the ball and play out from the back at, at all costs, I think – then that, that's what you should do. I don't think you should stop doing that when it gets too hard to do. I think if that's your philosophy, stick to it and and live by it and die by it. So I think if, you, if that's your philosophy and you want to play out from the back, then you, you're going to have these type of mistakes. And he's not going to do that every game, uh, obviously. So, yeah, I, 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 see, I see your point. But I think if you want to play out from the back, then be brave and do it. And and the cost of that is every now and then um, in these games um, – yeah, you'll cost you a couple of goals. But I think the the longer-term benefits of sticking to your philosophy, if that's what you decide it is, is much better. Well, thankfully now he's got all summer to uh, think about his philosophy because he's committed to absolute howlers and uh, cost cost Zizou another Champions League. What did yeah, you make of um, what got... did you make of Zizou and Guardiola sitting on the esky after yes. the game? That, well, that's what I wanted to discuss. So I would love to hear what that conversation would be. Um, do you think it was fashion-based? So um, Zizou's gone with the sort of a casual Friday look um, about him and Pep Guardiola's gone with the sweater, um, which he actually did a lot of. He was sweating. So he had like one of those little ring things under your neck where you, where you sweat too much and then obviously the armpits were all, uh, all uh, yeah, dripping there. So I- potentially fashion-based. <laughs> I think what's in the esky would determine a lot of what's in the conversation, but it's obviously male pattern baldness is coming up. Um, but I, like I think I think I think people look at those scenarios now because like and they're like, oh wow, that's so deep. But like everyone knows that managers talk after the games. Like Alex Ferguson was famous for his bottle of wine in the in the manager's office after the game. But everyone's like, oh, that's so deep and meaningful. It's not like it's just two blokes who probably played against each other for twenty odd years. 
Um, yeah, chatting about you know family and and football. Really. Yeah, how how you cope with lockdown? I think Pep Guardiola's yeah. father. I, I imagine there's a bit of that going on, and then there'd be some philosophical chat. Um, but like, I think it's it's a lot of it's made out like it's more than it is. Like, um, yeah, agreed. I, I just because you can see it, like as you say, um, all the managers used to catch up. Sir Alex was um, fa- famous for um, bringing out good bottles of wine for people he liked, and the cheap bottles for um, managers he didn't like. And but you just didn't get to see those guys chatting. But yeah, I don't think that that's unusual. It is unusual that it got caught on camera. The um, the other piece of um, of dress code I'd like to discuss is um, Sergio Ramos. So he's gone with the – well, how I feel this come about is that he said to his tailor, hey, I'm going over to Manchester in the middle of winter and, um, you know, get me a nice tailored suit, little three-piece to pull together. Um, and his tailor's gone, okay, UK, yep, should be pretty cold. Up at Manchester, probably dreary, wrong, scorching hot. But Ramos didn't panic, did he? No. What he did, he lost the jacket and he's rolled up the sleeves and kept the three-piece. Strong outfit from Ramos, I think. I, I think if it was, um, if he had his time again, there'd be a kit underneath that because I reckon he would have booted a couple of chairs and a couple of teammates when Rafa yeah, they, um, went to war that, without that, him. <laughs> they missed him, didn't they? In all seriousness, they missed Ramos in that game. It's good to see a team. Um, it's good to see a team missing a defender. Um, I think, like, it's not, it's not spoken about enough. Just how important these high quality and how how rare the high quality centre backs are, um, but I think everyone's like, oh well, look, you know, you need Kevin De Bruyne or you need Messi or you need Neymar, um, all these world class attackers. But it's good to see teams like missing a defender, which brings me to my next point of uh, very important attackers and things not going their way. Juve versus Leon, what do you think? Yeah, well, I honestly thought um, Juve w- would do, get the job done. Um, obviously, you can't talk about this game without talking about Ronaldo's double, so uh, a penalty and then um, that left foot hammer from just outside the box. But um, I suppose the biggest talking point has to be the, well, non-penalty, I think. So I think um, I think Napoli's penalty was not a penalty. And I think the Juve's penalty was a penalty. I think the handball was a handball. I don't think there was a foul. Um, in the Juventus box there. I, I, I hate I hate to uh, harp on about VAR because we're we're in these grey areas, but like that's you shouldn't go to the ground in the box. Everyone knows that. But you don't write a challenge in the box either. But that's not. There's no way that's a penalty. Like what's, I want to see the angles that they saw where they think that that was a penalty because at no stage from any of those angles did I think that was a penalty. But even watching it live. You're not no. like you're like oh that, you're like god geez that's a stonewall pen you're like it never crossed. I think the referee's a bit scared, and then because it's like that's a clear and obvious error. Yeah. Like I, th- I thought that was. Yeah, I don't know about the handball. I, uh, yeah, I've been thinking. A you lot don't know about, about handball. I, I've been thinking a lot about these handballs lately, and we're seeing a lot more of these handball penalties. Um, and that rule is probably like I don't I don't know the technicalities of the rule. But like the react, the players are hitting the ball harder than ever. Like we're so close, and like there's so there seems to be so many more hand, more handballs. I don't know if it's adding much to the game. Um, yeah, I'm not sure it's adding much to the game, but I think he sort of, he was at the he's in the um, in the wall on the edge of the wall, and yeah, he sort of moved over slightly, and I think it's sort of as the ball hit him or after the ball hit him, his arm sort of flayed out, which I think tipped the referee to say 
Yeah, that, that's a peno. So I, I thought that was a peno and well taken by Ronaldo. But as I said, I think the other one down the other end was not a peno, potentially just a square up from the referee. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's a bit of that as well. But um, the other the other thing that really caught my eye was the Marcello tackle. Did you see that? Yes. Yep. Oh, that's that's a, like everyone's like, oh, Ronaldo's hit a stunning goal. Marcello has literally saved a goal. That's worth a goal. Yeah. That I oh, just and it was a hell of a bit of hell of a bit of candy from Bernadeschi as well. Well, Bernadeschi got a shoot earlier. I think once he drifts past the keeper, because um, yeah, as he drifted past the keeper, then he's got to pull the trigger there. I know you're on a tight angle, but that's easy just to whip around with your left foot. I think winning, as as we've seen overnight with uh, Sari getting the sack, winning's not enough for Juventus. You have to entertain. Yeah. So. Yeah. so, so how, <laughs> I, I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's. It's. Like, is Sari the most unlucky manager in the world? Like, I can think back in my lifetime and I've seen managers get sacked after trophies. Like, Louis van Gaal stands out with his massive cojones. Um, Vin- Vincente del Bosco, I can't remember the exact circumstance, but he might have won the Champions League and got the sack. Um, At Real. Yeah, he either won the league or the Champions League and then got the sack. But Sari Sar- took Chelsea to third in a time where Liverpool and Man City are exceptional. Uh, like once in, you've got two once in a generation teams, I think, um, and won the Europa League, which we'll come to later because my perception of the Europa League might be different to other people's. Um, but like he's he's won Syria, he's early out in the Champions League, with he's inherited an aging an aging squad with a, a star man, but like what's what's he got to do? Well, they they won the double in in Italy this year, I think, didn't they? They won the the cup as well. No, they they lost the cup to Napoli actually. Lost the cup to Napoli, so he he won the title on the first and was fired on the eighth. So in <laughs> weeks a long time in football. Perlo was appointed reserve team manager <laughs> like nine days ago. Yeah, and now he's the boss. So yeah, Pirlo um, is officially taking over at um, at Juventus, which I think um, all AC fans will be uh, really excited by. I think. But I just, like I just think I think Sari, yeah, I don't know if he's like is this his last job? Does someone go and get him? Like he's oh, so, someone goes and gets him. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, well, like Reno's doing a good job at Napoli, and we'll come to that. But the average age of the Juve squad is twenty nine point four years. So I think yeah. this could be the last of the last of their chances to win the Champions League. Well, in the current form of their squad, yeah, but they they can they can rebuild, and, and I think Sari, um, if he doesn't die from chewing on those cigarettes, he, he'll be fine to to pick up again. Um, but yeah, someone needs to come in and, and rebuild the squad. I think. Yeah, I, I worry about who's the man for the rebuild because um, maybe maybe Poch, they said they're looking at Zidane, um, but it could be Poch. They're not going to get Allegri. Um, he, he hadn't done enough. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it looks like a poison chalice because you have to win Serie A and then you have to go and do um, – go and win – try and win the Champions League. Yeah, that, that's a minimum um, is, is winning the, the Serie A and then, yeah, you need to – to go um, pretty deep or if not win the, the Champions League. I think that's a trophy that's escaping Juve at the moment, isn't it? The the Champions League, what are they, eight in a row um, in Serie A? But, yeah, what they really want is is another um, Champions League trophy. They spent a fair bit of cash to 
to get close to it. But I think, um, yeah, they're having trouble in the manager space to get that right and uh, and take those final steps. I'm quarterfinal, so yeah, it, that, it's not a bad season for them. Quarterfinal in the Champions League, touch too early, I'd say, um, and an Italian title. So yeah, I think Ronaldo goes and um, lays on a beach for a couple of weeks and then gets back to it. I think. And uh, Sari's replacement, <laughs> Frank Lampard, fared, and I say this very confidently, absolutely no better than Sari did at Chelsea. And they're out, and they are comprehensively out. Yeah, well, I think results-wise, it's all the same as Sari, if not worse. I think the difference there is that Frank has um, well, spent almost no money um, and got a, a young team pulled together, and you can see where where it's going. Whereas with Sari, I think the results were the same as Frank's and um, Abramovich was a little bit fed up about um, about the football and the squad. But then they went out this morning and got absolutely hammered by Bayern Munich again. They did. They got absolutely battered by Bayern Munich. I watched the, um, the game this morning and Bayern genuinely looked in a whole nother league to Chelsea. I know Chelsea were missing a few... Well, when I say a few, six or seven um, sort of first teamers, but uh, yeah, um, Bayern just looked on a, on another level. And Alfonso Davies has Mbappe type pace. He is absolutely electric down that left side. Um, putting him in that Mbappe Maguire Davies class. Yeah, less so uh, Maguire, more so Mbappe. But yeah, okay. it, honestly, he he is electric. He explodes past players. Um, yeah. As I said, um, Mbappe-esque. The other thing I thought was um, was interesting was um, they they mentioned that um, Alaba is on his last um, year, last last year. Um, so I think you know he's primed to to be picked off um, if someone wants to come get him. I mean, every team is you hear from all they mention is that there's hardly any centre backs to sign. Well, there he is. I think you know you've got a Rolls Royce centre back right there, quite a cultured footballer in his last year of his contract. And so I think he can be prived away from um, from Bayern if someone wants to go and get him. Same as Boateng. I know Boateng's a little bit older. Um, but, yeah, I think he could still do do a job at a really big club if he wants to move. So, but, but yeah, Bayern, Bayern, would, Bayern would find that slightly offensive, saying a really big club. But is that a come and get me to uh, Pep Guardiola? It did well. I think they got on well when Pep was there, and um, yeah, I think if something's not right, if they're going into their last year of their contract, something's not right. So yeah, yeah, I, th- I think the I saw Robert Lewandowski's involved in every goal, um, which I think for me just shows the gap in class between what they've got and what Chelsea have got. Um, and I think I think I think Chelsea are quite a way off in that. Like they did, they did well to win the Europa League last year under Sari. But as far as competing in the Champions League, that like this, I think it's the second goal from Perisic. The defending, the defending there was nothing short of abysmal. Like and he's tapping that in unmarked. What's Rudiger doing? Like there's there's some problems there still. And thankfully they've refu- they haven't taken the buyback on Ake, so they haven't solved that problem at all. They even tried to solve it. Yeah, they um they went to a back a back to a back four um from the FA Cup they were at a back three so they've moved back to a back four and um as I said and as I predicted um Kante came in to sit in that role but yeah it did them no good they just got absolutely steamrolled by Bayern Bayern go through um and they will play Barcelona in the next round Man City got through um 
yesterday as well, and they will play Lyon. Should we move on to the next games? Yeah, go Napoli Barca. So my boys from Napoli. Uh, they're so this going to come back to it again with the VAR chat. The first goal off the corner there. <laughs> Clement Longley, like you watch it, you watch it in, you watch it in real time. Yeah, but you watch it in real time, and you're like, "Geez, that's abysmal defending." He pushes him. They run into each other, and you're like, "Well, that's that's there's no way they're going to give that." Like, and and they did. But the worst part for me is that they they went to check it with VAR and said, "No, we have looked at it, and still nothing." But I, I, I thought I thought live, I was like, "Oh, something happened there." And then when I saw the VAR replay, I was like. Yes, that is definitely a foul. But even after that, they didn't they didn't reverse it. They just said, "Oh, we're looking at it." No, nothing. Do you think the referee's going over to the booth because they, they go and look at the physical booth here? Um, yeah. Is he going over to check his phone or something? Check maybe like if um if if his if his side girl's parents are away or something because he's not looking at the he's not looking at that incident because there's no way you could look at that incident and be like, "Oh yeah, it's, that's a goal, great head, a long way." You're like, "That's yeah. that's a free kick." That's a free kick. And so what, what did you think about the Koulibaly-Messi collision that um, resulted in a pen as well? Yeah, well, that's, that's a pen. Um, that is a pen, and that knocks that knocks $10 million off Koulibaly's price tag as well because he's caught um, caught on the ball, unaware of his surroundings. Granted, Inside got, the box. Yeah. yeah, just, again, just put into Rosette. Like, I know you've got the philosophy and blah, 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 but your philosophy shouldn't come to... Getting you knocked out of the Champions League. I think you use these philosophies to get you further in the Champions League, not get you knocked out. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it doesn't look great for him. He had, I thought he had, he had a pretty good game outside of that. Um, yeah, outside he, of that, he had, he had a good game. I think the the not to carry on about VAR again, but um, with, when that happened, um, Messi got clipped. The referee actually live action called play on. They they went through to the second phase of play. The ball got flicked out to the right-hand side. Both the players stayed down and were rolling around. Then the referee comes over and watches them roll around, waves a few people on to roll around. Then Koulibaly gets up and he gets limped off over to the sideline. Messi's still down. They roll up his sock. they got the magic spray. And then Messi sort of stumbles to his feet, and then the referee goes over and looks at the screen. I'm like, you've had five minutes to look at the screen while these guys are rolling around. Go and look at the screen. So then he goes and looks at the screen. That takes another two minutes, and then they eventually come back. He tells them that there's a penalty. Then the Napoli players surround him. And so there was six or seven minutes of um, at a time because of that. But it could have – the call – like you could see live, you didn't need you didn't need to see VAR to see that uh, Messi makes the the pass really because Koulibaly's lifted him from behind to encourage him to make the pass. Like that's a, that's a stonewall pen, and for some reason he's checked it, and then obviously being Bar- Barcelona being Barcelona, like well we need to surround the referee, um, like some sort of hostage situation because that's that's the club's mantra, and then finally we get to the correct decision. But they and but, and Suarez Suarez took it because um Messi <laughs> Messi only had one leg to stand on at that point. Coolavalli just took it. absolutely lifted him. Um, yeah. and Coolavalli <laughs> had a good wind up too. But no, like outside of that, the the VAR chat is not great. But uh, Napoli played all right. Like there, there's a, obviously a golfing class there. But Napoli, I like Napoli. I like watching Napoli. Um, they couldn't create the chance to to get back in the tie. Um, and that penalty just for halftime killed him. But outside of that, they, I thought they played well. Um, Milik had a goal disallowed for offside, which was a really nice header, but 
that was clearly offside. Um, so yeah, they're they're out, but like not ashamed. And the other highlight of that for me is um, they need a coach cam on Reno Gattuso because watching yes. him against yes. Sedian, like <laughs> Reno Reno kicks every ball and every player like he used to. Like he is just so bloody entertaining. Yeah. Well, I, I love Gattuso because you can hear him on the sideline. So, as you know, there's no fans at the moment. And so the, the microphone's on the side of the pitch. Um, you can just hear Gattuso ranting and raving up and down the sideline. So I'm loving that. I'm also loving his, um, as I said, many managers have adopted this sort of casual Friday look um, for the last part of the season. I don't know where, because this last part of the season obviously feels a bit weird that we're even still back here playing. But, um, yeah, everyone seems to have adopted a casual Friday. So Gattuso went the... Uh, the Bonds black tank top. Failed mechanical look for me, um, but it was. Failed mechanic. Yeah, and he still he looks like he's been working on the um, on a car just before the game. Um, so then we'll go into Europe's second cup competition. Or oh, can, can we can we um, catch on the fixtures? So we've got um, in the, oh, yeah, in, sorry, the yeah, next, yeah. Next, in the next round we've got um, Atalanta versus um, PSG coming up. We've got the Energy Drink versus Atletico. We've got Barca and Bayern, that's probably the pick of the bunch for me. And then we move on to Man City, Leon. All of those um, are inside the uh, Portuguese bubble in, in Lisbon that's coming up. Any yeah, of those fixtures stand out? <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I think Bayern versus Barca, but I think I think that's going to be a bit of a, a bit misleading because I think Bayern are going to beat them convincingly. Like Barca's so reliant on Messi, which obviously it's it's a good position to be in if you're relying on someone. You probably want it to be Messi, um, but uh, but they're but they're not. I just don't think they're that good. Um, yeah, agreed. Now nah, we'll we'll cover them in the in the coming um, in the coming weeks or just before those um, fixtures get played. But yeah, as you say, we might move on to the um, second tier or the championship <laughs> league. Of um of Europe, I'd call it. Um, and where do you want to start there? Wolves, Olympiacos. I want to go to Julian Lopetegui's redemption at Sevilla. Um, I, I watched bits and pieces of this game because I was trying to do a couple of things, and that that was such a good game. Like I know the Europa League gets derided as the you know the second tier, whatever. But as these third place Champions League teams drop in, um, the quality of the Europa League just skyrockets. And yeah. that was such a fast and entertaining game. And the goal from Regulon for Sevilla, where he comes in from left back and cuts in, like that was a thing of beauty, just the pace, the power, everything. There's a bit of a howler at the end, but um, like they're, they're a very good team to watch. And Roma played well as well. And I think Sevilla will be the favourites in my eyes for this competition based on that performance. They were just so slick. Did Sevilla you... love the Europa League. Absolutely love the Europa League. They, honestly, they, they just go to another another gear. I don't know whether it's like they play their first team in this, and and then um, on the, on the Saturday they they roll out the reserves or something. But yeah, they absolutely love the Europa League. They do really well every year. But they're, they're just so they're so impressive, and they've got Eva Benega pulling the strings. They've got yeah. Lucas Acampos. They've got Regulon. They've got good players all around. Um, I think they're favourites, and based the other factor is because it's going to be quite warm. Um, Sevilla, Sevilla is warm, so I think that'll work in their favour too. But I, th- I think their favourites ahead of United and Inter. Um, oh, sorry, and and of course Wolves. Um, yeah, what do you Wolves, think of Wolves? 
they they another team that just they just feel and look right at home in this um, second tier competition. It's like it's almost as if they're built for for this second tier European competition. They've got a nice European flavor, a little continental flavor about Wolves, and they have been in this competition chasing this cup for over 12 months now. Obviously, they went the long way around to qualify for um, the Europa League. For it's weird to say, last season they did that so then therefore they're in it this season but yeah they've been chasing this trophy for over 12 months but they, they look right at home um walls and one thing i really want to cover before we get into anything too um technical on the football chat is that is to um adame Torore, right so i heard rumors that they um used to put baby oil on his arms and i was like oh, i don't know that seems a bit weird he just seems like a, he's got glowing skin and he's obviously a sweaty man but then I actually saw a still picture of, um, yeah, Wolf staff um, putting baby oil on his arms. And the idea there is that the defenders can't grab him and pull his arms back. Thoughts on that? <laughs> that is that is 100% not true that it's to pull his arms back. As a, as a fairly superficial man myself, the only reason you apply baby oil on yourself is to make your muscles look bigger. He's a big man. Um, oh, I'm, I'm predicting for his career, he will have um, injuries in his future. I think he's too big for a footballer. I know he looks powerful and strong now, but I think um, as he as he gets older, um, all that size and all those muscles um, will cause him injuries in the future. But anyway, that, that's for his future. What, what did you think of uh, Wolves? Uh, they rode their luck a little bit, um, but I think I think they're still like they've done enough to get through. They started they had a good start. Um, Daniel Potence, who is a former Olympiacos player, won him a pen early with a good bit of pressure on the keeper. Again, another mistake at the back. My God. Yeah. Um, Raul Jimenez, Jimenez took took the pen. That's his 10th goal. And he took the penalty with um, socks at half mask, which, as you know, I'm not a fan of that look. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. That's that heat. Um, but, yeah, no, another another defensive error. So I'm hoping there's going to be some sort of evolution of football soon. Back to a target man. Um, but, yeah, they definitely rode their luck. Olympiacos... I'm not sure if people would remember, but they actually pushed Spurs in the Champions League. So they're a pretty good team. Um, but Wolves had a couple of good chances to finish him off. But, um, yeah, you'll take it. They got through. Rui Patricio, outstanding again in goals for Wolves. Um, yeah, but, he was good. He yeah, was look, really good. That's happy enough for him to go through. Good for the club. Good for the league. Um, I think they're on a they're on a a very well-timed trajectory, the way that they've sort of gone into the Premier League. They've built into the Premier League. They've got into the Europa League. They've built into the Europa League. Like, they just keep going on a, a very reasonable and well-timed trajectory. Um, mm. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I'd probably agree with that. I think um, that they got Raul Jimenez up, up top, and he just keeps banging the, the goals in. Um, he looks really good. As I said, Wolves look suited to this competition. Um, we're big fans of Wolves here on this podcast, and yeah, we're happy to see them see them go through to the to the next round. I think the trajectory, as you say, that they're on is nice and steady. What you don't want to do is probably go from no European football to Champions League football straight away. You probably want to take that step in in between if you're looking for some sustained time in, in Europe. Um, we saw saw the Foxes um, a couple of years back sort of jump into the Champions League and it took a lot out of them and they fell fell down the league and fell out of Europe rather fast. Whereas I think Wolves are taking a, a slower path to that um, and 
to, to building into that sort of second tier of teams in England um, and hanging out in the Europa League, I think is a good thing for them. Um, we might move on to um, Manchester United versus Lusk. And um, we might start as well with, um, well, two weeks, two goals, Jesse Lingard. <laughs> yeah, uh, that like I think the less said about this fixture, the better. Uh, it was a very boring game. Jesse Lingard got a goal there. That was a decent goal, but like United should be beating Lusk comfortably. Um, the, the team Rotated they put out quite a bit. What's yeah, that? Rotated. They rotated their squad a bit. But the, the scary thing is, like, you looked at the starting line just for kickoff, and you're like, that was the first team not that long ago. Um, which you're like, Jesus. And then once they start playing, you're like, oh, wow. Um, maybe Ollie has done a better job or a decent job just bring it together because that ugh, it was just hard to watch. Like, just no creativity. Like, a good goal from Lask, which was nice. Um, but. You yeah, say, you say you say no creativity. What about that um, Harry Maguire back heel on the left <laughs> wing to nobody? I mean, that was that was outside the box, from Harry. <laughs> yeah, look, um, know your role, Harry. Um, <laughs> that was fuck. That oh, sorry, that really just summed it up because that was it was just it was like it was in slow motion as well. Yeah, like, it's comical, he, yeah. And then they pan to Ollie, and he's not like if if Reno Gattuso is on the sideline there. He runs 40 yards to chin Harry, or at least get yeah. close to him before, like, there's enough time for security to sort of get in and stop him. Um, but Solskjaer just rolling his eyes, thinking, oh, yeah. God. But Jesse Lingard, like, he's had his off-field problems as well. Um, did, he's had, did, he had some pretty, um, he's had some pretty, a pretty rough time of it off-field. So it's good to see him in the goals, but I think it, there's a, a relative acceptance that his time at the club is coming to an end, and he got an extra five or six years out of it, to be honest, that he probably wouldn't have in another era. So would you move him on if you're Ollie, or would you keep him around for these sort of League Cup games and, and Europa games? That, well, that it's, it's he seems to get along well with the squad too, and I think that a lot of the reason that United fans don't like him is this brand Lingard thing where we're like, well, you're not producing on the pitch, so stop pushing this Jalen's brand. Like, just do, do more on the pitch, and the brand... You can do that. Like, that's that's fine. Why, so, hang on, hang on. Why are you saying that and doing the J-Ling's um, gang sign at the same time? <laughs> um, I'm trying to support the brand, <laughs> but uh, I just – yeah, I just think – I think you've got to produce on the pitch first. And I think um, it, there's a bit there's a bit too much of that or a perception that there's too much of that. But, um, yeah, I, th- I don't know. He seems to get along well with the squad, but then you go on – he's on over 100. He's on more than James Madison. Um, just something yeah. to think about as to relative – so do you keep a bloke around the squad who – Probably isn't going to play. Um, he's he's been not in the match day squad at all, fit um, a number of times. So you're like, well, geez, you really want to pay someone a hundred grand, which is like premium in other clubs, um, just to be yeah. sitting around and be a good bloke. Like I, yeah, well, he's sitting around and being a good bloke. I think him and Rashi are best friends, so um, potentially that's that's got something to do with it, or it plays a part that yeah, they keep Rashford happy and um, yeah. So, he's, tw- he's, 27. He, he, he's 27. He's 27. But he's a, he's a homegrown player as well for through Manchester United. So I think he gets a bit more um, a bit more rope than other players would. I think he, if he was a signing, he would already be gone. Yeah. But then I suppose going to the next, going a nice segue into the next game there because Inter Milan and Hatafe, um, Romelu Lukaku, nice striker's goal. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought he did quite well. I mean, um, 
nice long ball over the top, and then he's just sort of holding him off with his right hand. Um, I was trying to have a think about whether that defender could have done any better, but he's already the defender is making contact with him. He's nice and tight to him, and Lukaku hits a left foot volley. And it goes through the defender's legs into the bottom corner. So I think I'll sort of landed on that, no, the defender couldn't have done much more than that. But, yeah, I think Lukaku, since he's um, shaved his head and left um, Manchester United for the uh, Manchester United reserves as they currently look, I think he's done quite well. I say Manchester United reserves because you've got Lukaku there, you've got um, Sanchez there, and you have um, Ashley Young. Yeah, and then Christian Eriksen came off the bench to score too, which is... Um which is an interesting case study because he's well, left Spurs being like, oh, I want to do great things. And at the time, Real Madrid have lined Real up. Madrid, yeah, Manchester yeah. United have been said to have an interest. There's, there's rumours of going to City. Goes to Inter and now he's on the bench. Yeah. Um, well, I think he, he probably should have stayed at Spurs and, and, you know, became the man even more so than he already was there. I think that, that would have been a better um, a better option for him to stay in that role and, um, yeah, be the man. Um, so Stevie G's team gets knocked out. Yeah, probably probably for the best. Uh, <laughs> they looked out of their depth. They did well. They tried hard, but um, yeah, agreed. I, uh, I think they 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 reached their their level there and um, a nice little run um, for them in the Europa League. But yeah, they're at their level and and they fall out. Um, and so if we look forward to games fixtures coming up in the Europa. So we've got um, Inter and and Leverkusen, um, Manchester United versus Copenhagen, um, Shakhtar uh, take on Basel, and Wolves um, against the new favourites, according to yourself, Sevilla. I think Wolves-Sevilla is the pick of the ties. Obviously, United got the... um the toughest draw, uh, getting Copenhagen. Wow. Um, <laughs> but no, we'll, I think Wolves Severe will be a good game. Like if you're a football yeah. tourist, I think that's a that's a bit of a diamond in the rough there. Into Leverkusen for me. Yeah, that'll be all right. No, I think that could be the Kai Havertz farewell tour by the looks of things too. Um, yeah. But I, I yeah I think I think Severe are favourites. Like with the, as I said before, Benega, Ocampos. Um, yeah, regular and again, like they've got they've got pedigree in the competition. They've got good players. Um, Julian Lobotegi is a good manager, even though things have not gone his way so much recently. Um, they're an entertaining side. The heat's going to be a factor. Um, I, but I think Wolves is a, Wolves is the Wolves is a bit of a bogey team there because there's no reason why Wolves can't win it. Yeah, I agree. I I'd, I'd I'd like to see Wolves go a, a bit further. I think um, yeah, if they can get past. Um, Sevilla, I think they'll um, they'll be in with a really good shout. But um, yeah, as you said, we, we like Wolves and, and we think that they'll they'll do quite well. I don't they're obviously not going to get disgraced by Sevilla, but I'm just not sure that they can actually get over the line against Sevilla. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a it's a big ask. Um, but the and Shakhtar Shakhtar <laughs> are relatively impressive too, so I wouldn't go ruling Shakhtar out. But as I said before, like I think you get down to these last eight, and outside of Copenhagen and maybe Basel. Um, like there's some decent teams in there, so you will get some good games. And it, it might not have the same pressure as Champions League too, so teams can be a little bit more free with the way they play. So I I think they're going to be very entertaining games, personally. Um, and I think they're and, well worth a watch. Yeah, do Manchester United sort of up their um, their first team selections in this competition? Um, as we said, they sort of rotated their, their squad in the last fixture, even though um, the tie was almost done. Um, do they sort of turn up their, their first team selections from here? Yeah, I think if you're if you're Ollie, I think you try and go out and win the first leg comfortably. 
Um, and then maybe rest of you in the second leg. Because like, no disrespect to Copenhagen, but um, in immense, in immense but disrespect. In a way. way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, or try and start doing the uh, resting players during the game. Maybe let Bruno Fernandes sit on the ball in the corner or something. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you try and win it convincingly early. And then because we have a lot of players that are like, like Martial, Rashford, Greenwood, who are all very explosive as the Telling. game wears, um, as the game wears on, there's likelihood in the heat that those players could get injured. Like it increases as they tire. So I think if you try and get those types of players rested and keep them for hopefully a final. Yeah, we might take a deeper dive into that preview um, on the on the next pod. But yeah, they're, they're the games coming up in the Europa League. Um, we might move on to um, everyone's favourite section of the pod, transfer chat. What do you think of the new Sting? Yeah, I love it. Um, it seems, seems bad, a little it? bit seems a little bit inappropriate in these financial times that we live in. Um, with the tightening of the purse strings for anyone who doesn't have a state owning them. That's actually um, Ozil's uh, doorbell when you when you ring his place in in um, in London. So yeah, there you go. All right. So we might we already touched on um, Ake. Um, not going back to Chelsea, Chelsea not triggering um, their buyback clause that they had and signing for City. Um, good move. And, and what does this mean for um, John Stones? Uh, well, it doesn't. if John Stones decides to stay at Man City, it doesn't change anything. John still won't play. Um, but I, th- I think if he wants to do, like achieve the heights that he potentially could, um, he has to go. But then, like, suitors, you'd think Chelsea would be one. Um, West Ham, I think, would be another because he could still get the high wages. But I can't see where else he's going to be able to land with his wages. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think he actually stays. I think um, Man City are known for having a, a massive squad, and, and I think he stays um, in, in Manchester. As you say, no one is sort of got that type of cash to prime away from there on a permanent deal. Um, and his wages are just so so massive. So I think that he just stays at, at City. Um, I think if you're Manchester City, I'm not sure um, Ake is the man that you need to take that next step um, to close the gap to Liverpool. Um, and, yeah, we'll see how far they go in, in the Champions League. But, yeah, potentially he's just being signed as a squad player there because um, we – I mean, they're they're rather well resourced, and I'm just not sure that he's going to start every game um, for Man City there. And I think Man City could have done better in the market and bought bought a bigger defender than um, Ake. 40, 40 mil feels about right, but um, in the in the current market, like they were talking about sixty or eighty pre-COVID. Um, but that's Pep Guardiola has now spent over three hundred and fifty million pounds on defenders. Yeah. And still doesn't have two good ones to rub together. So, well, you look at it, Danilo, Danilo Gorn, um, Ben Mendy, been injured a bit. Cancelo, the world's most expensive right back, hasn't quite um, hasn't quite made the grade. Like you don't feel a great deal of confidence in him. Kyle Walker's been, been playing, decent. He's been yeah, Kyle Walker's been decent. He's been playing Fernandinho at centre back. Um, Zinchenko has um, been underwhelming as well. Zinchenko, but like that's not too bad. They paid, I think they paid a million or one point five mil for him. So like, you, you're getting a one point five million player. That's probably not you, a bad. You yet. are, 
Yeah, you are. I mean, I'm not saying they got ripped off on that deal. I'm saying that they're Manchester City and they need better quality. And it, it almost doesn't matter to them whether they pay a million or 40 million. What they're after is, is the finished product and a high quality player. So, yeah, I'm not sure that they're saying, oh, we got him for a million. What a bargain. I think they're saying, geez, we need to be in the top echelon of clubs, if not the biggest club in the world. And um, Zinchenko is not going to done it um, at left back. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is the last bit of business they'll do in the centre back space in the summer. Yeah, okay. If they bring more more people in, we might see them shuffling the pack, um, or you might see Fernandinho not having to play at centre back, and he could go back into um, a, a midfield role. He, he obviously won't play ninety minutes of, um, every game due to his due to his age and how long he's been at City. And they've got they've picked up. Uh, Ferran Torres as well from Valencia, which is a nice, again, bit more depth in the squad. Um, but yeah. I, don't think, I don't think he'll start. Like, rumours in Spain were that he's ready and he's going to start. But, like, Bernardo Silva was on the bench the other day. And Bernardo Silva was probably, um, in my opinion, a better footballer. Yeah, and, and they've as got well. and Mares as well. And they've got the World Cup winner, um, Phil Foden, there as well. Yeah, so he's obviously won a World Cup. Yeah, he struggled the other day. Um, okay, yeah, so, and then... So City have been linked with Koulibaly. What do you think? Yeah. See, now now I think we're talking in terms of centre-backs and, and working out what City actually need. They they need a, a centre-back of his ilk. Um, I think he, he's, he will, if they get him, he'll start um, with Laporte. Um, and then you'll see everyone else sort of riding the pine from from there. But, yeah, I think um, Koulibaly would be a, a good signing um, somewhere more in Manchester City's um, echelon of player, and that makes more sense to me than signing Nathan Ake. So Manchester City's type of player. So now we move on to a former Manchester City player who's been linked to the Crosstown Rivals. I'm not talking about Carlos Tevez. Um, Jaden Sancho. When, when yeah, is this going to wrap up? This has gone on for oh, too long. It has. I was about to say, yeah, this deal just seems to be dragging out, doesn't it? So I think my reading is that they're um, still a long way apart on, on the fee. Um, Manchester United needs to, needs to come up to where um, Dortmund feel feel more comfortable. I think Manchester United are looking for a COVID discount and um, Dortmund is saying sort of jog on. There's no COVID discount here. You need to... Uh, need to stump up everything that we need for him. Um, but I think like whether they sign him for 100 or 120, I don't think in sort of five, six years' time they're going to look back at that 20 mil that they paid that they're considering overs for him um, and be be angry at that. I think if you sign a, a young English talent who's going to go on to get a lot of um, caps for England um, and all the fans love a homegrown player. So, yeah, I, I, that makes sense to me. I, um, I think they should stump up the rest of the cash and, and go and get him and close the deal. Do the Germans know about the premium that's put on English talent for English clubs, or do, does that is that like a secret inside England itself? Well, now it's on this pod; they might know about it, but potentially it was a secret before. No, I think <laughs> I think no, nah, there's, there's no secret there. I think everyone knows that um, you, you can charge as soon as Man City come knocking for a player, you can tack an extra ten mil on it because they they can pay it. And I think that there's no secret about the um, the premium that there is on the English players. Yeah, uh, and then I suppose that's like that's just what United are going to have to pay. Um, and there's history of doing that with uh, with Alex Alexis Sanchez moving on uh, for yes. no transfer fee. My God, Ed Woodward. Yeah, I think I think the the word was um, a moderate separation fee or something like that. Um, that that they that they which mentioned. is different so, to a transfer fee. Like what? Oh, <laughs> have we yeah, forgotten how to do a transfer? 
what they, what they do to pay for his flights. He's probably, they probably, probably threw him in commercial too, the Delks. Oh, it's the least they could do of oh, what he's done. But it, yeah, like, it's, just, it, it's just good to get off your wage bill, isn't he? But then, like, you look at him, and the player that I think of um, when you're looking for, like, a contrast there is Gareth Bale, where, like, we can't keep Sanchez. Sorry, I'm, I've got a bias there when I say we. Um, uh, Manchester United. <laughs> it was Chelsea, uh, Man City, Leicester when they won the league, um, and now Turn it's Manchester. Scarf over, mate. Yeah, <laughs> it's got four sides now. Um, the like Sanchez, and they've they've got him off the wage bill, which is great because apparently it was like fifty million over the next two years, twenty eight thousand eight hundred a kick. Um, like, and Gareth Bale sitting in Madrid. Well, he's not sitting actually; he's probably on the golf course. And that's the, that's, the that's the only real comparator in this world where they're like, we've signed a player, but at least they've got something at a bail or something, as in like a couple of magical goals in Champions League finals, whereas United got absolutely nothing out of Sanchez. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm not sure the comparisons are that are that close but between the two. As you say, um Bale Bale delivered in, in big moments, not not in um sort of quantity, um, but the the big moments, um he come on and, and delivered um Big goals to win them big trophies. So I think the comparison isn't isn't that that close. I just think yeah, you're happy to move Sanchez on. Um, he can go over to Inter and um, and do his thing over there. Um, but uh, like I think if Inter are happy to take him and he's happy to, to play there, yeah, why not? But I think for Manchester United, you know, happy to see him move on. Um, so we might move on to to Jack. Jack Grealish. So, what, what's happening there? Do you think there's not much action in that space, is there? I think the football the football has been a kind distraction from the outrageous transfer chat that you hear. Um, no word on Jack. I I think that United are, uh, have called their interest based on focusing on Sancho. Um, I don't imagine there's a huge team at United based on the recent transfer dealings of this because they seem to be butchering quite a few of them. So maybe resourcing's a problem. Um, but I, I haven't heard anything about Jack. Like, what have you heard? Yeah, so I think I think um, that Manchester United are looking to sign um, Sancho, and if Sancho falls over, then what you will see is them sort of look to their um, second choice, which is Grealish. So I think, yeah, for Jack, he's got to wait and see if that Sanchez deal falls over. Sorry, Sancho deal falls over, um, and then then he might come into um, into Manchester United squad from there but yeah um, nothing from nothing else I've heard from Jack a quick dive into his IG um, and he's yeah he looks like he's at one of those super clubs um, and when I say super clubs I'm talking Ibiza um, at the moment so yeah I don't know Jack Power the nose and come back mate well good, good to good to have him back um, David David Silva, um, I I thought this was a little bit odd, actually. He's moving on from um, Manchester City, and he's off to Lazio. Yeah, so I, I read a deceiving headline, which is like, David Silva offered um, super deal to join Lazio. So the super deal would be a quarter of his current wage at City, which is 220k. So Lazio have offered him 52k and a private jet to fly to and from games, which, which you're like, wow, that sounds very extravagant but then you're like well he's actually on four times as much at city um so i like i think it'd be it'd be a great move latio are a, a good club they're going places i think they were another one of the syria sort of second tier very entertaining if they can hold on to immobile and milinkovic savage they can compete next year and if they could add the quality of silver absolutely up there but I, like i just don't think i don't think this is going to happen um it would yeah, be nice but 
But you don't think it's going to happen? No, my, I think it, I think it will. I think he's looking for something like even further step down. I think otherwise he just stay at City. Yeah, that that's true. Um, so what what was the wording on the the deal? Super deal. Super deal. Um, super deal. So I think that that is a super deal for Lazio. It is not <laughs> super deal for Silva. Um, taking that that much of a haircut on, on his pay. Um, but yeah, I think he he did quite well this year. I'm surprised that he is um is moving on from City. I think he could have um he could have come off the bench and and just changed his role at City. So instead of sort of starting um every game or every big Premier League game, he wasn't playing two games a week. He was just starting on the weekends really. But yeah, there's no reason why he couldn't change his role in the squad to just become a squad player. Um and yeah, come on and dazzle for for 20 minutes and, and collect a check. It's weird because he's probably he's too he's too good for that. Like, and he's still good enough. Like, and I think the 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 focus there is like, what about Phil Foden? And you don't want to put Phil Foden's nose out of joint. Like, you want him to be like, okay, Phil, you've sat here for what two years on the bench. Now's your time. Um, yeah, yeah, they're probably just making room for for Phil as a World Cup winner, um, under seventeen World Cup winner. So, yeah. So um, then, what about what about <laughs> what about not making room for players? Um, Arsenal. So Aubameyang's looking like he's going to extend now for three years and William's going to come in on a three-year deal. What, what does that mean for Martinelli and Sacco? Yeah, I think it's it's probably going to hurt um, Sacco more than it's going to hurt Martinelli, I think. Um, I think, yeah, well, William, was he, he's north of, of 30 at the moment and I think he's, um, I think he's a good signing for um, Arsenal. I think he's a signing that he's... He's better than the current players that they have, which is obviously what you want to to look for. And I think, yeah, it's probably going to hurt Sacco's game time more so than hurt Martinelli's game time. Great news that um, Aubameyang's going to extend their, their his contract for Arsenal. I think that'll do one or two things. That's great news that he's extended and that he can play on. Or if someone does come in, um, they can probably command a higher feed now that he's on a longer contract. Yeah, I, I I think that's I think it's a little more column B there. I think someone's going to come in still, and that 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 is just grandstanding. But I, if I was an Arsenal player or fan, um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be thrilled about the timing of the William announcement. Like they've just made fifty five redundancies in yeah. different departments, and there's there's another layer to this where I think. That anno- that annoys me because like they've gone out and William's going to make what 150 grand a week, 200 grand a yep. week. They've laid his like monthly wage could probably pay a good portion of those 55 people. Um, one of the key ones that they're laying off is in the scouting department, which has already done a fantastic job bringing in David Luiz, um, Mustafi. I am because they're la- they're laying off scouts, but. But I haven't heard it. So Stan Kroenke owns the club, but I haven't heard any about any redundancies from St. Louis Rams, the NFL team he owns. Yeah, I, I think we, we touched on this in, in in our last um in our last episode about how you know players have taken um, some pay cuts and then all of a sudden teams are going to spend forty and fifty million on, on players and, and what that looks like for for players. So if you're a player, you, you're thinking, great, I've taken a pay cut just so my club can go and sign someone else. Um, it doesn't really make sense, but at the same same level for non football staff. So if you're the if you're the tea lady there, um, and you get the Spanish archer, 
and have to leave the club. Um, but then they bring Will in, uh, in on 150 grand a week. Yeah, it just it just doesn't seem right and doesn't doesn't sit well. Um, but I think like the Arsenal fans are reasonable fans. I, I think they'll they'll stay calm about this whole thing. I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, we're going to need a whole show on Arsenal fans one week. I really just want to tell you what I think of them. But um, no, you're right. They're they're a very loyal bunch. And um, yeah, like Arsenal fan TV is going to be blowing up. Not that any of them watch the games anymore. But... um, Plastic fans, is that what you're suggesting? I, I didn't say that, but no, look, I'm sure they I'm sure they really love their club. But I would be a little bit confused about the direction of the club if I was an Arsenal fan. Um. Like just, I just don't like the transfer policy. Doesn't seem to be like they're saying Arteta's up for the rebuild and all this. Um, like it's, yeah, I don't know. It's it, as as I said last week. I think it. They need to. Um, what they need to do is to sort of work out. Um, yeah, what their philosophy is, and I think a lot of people look at um, look at the FA Cup win as a positive thing. But I just think if you change this focus on that and just sort of think about. Um, is that actually papering over a, a few cracks at Arsenal? So I mentioned that um, if winning the um, FA Cup might delay some harder decisions that they might have to make further down the track. And so, yeah, winning that sort of makes it look like everything's okay and they might not bring in and make those changes that they would otherwise need to, need to do. So, yeah, interesting space um, at, at Arsenal at the moment. Um Okay, so that brings us to the end of uh, transfer chat. And so our next segment, we might dive into um, Jobber's mailbag. You've got mail. You've got mail. So our, you first, go, our first email is actually <laughs> on that topic. So one okay. of our concerned, our concerned readers has written in um, yeah. and said, Hi, Josh and Sean. Love the show. That's a good start. So that's how you got my attention. Um good. <laughs> what impact do you think Arsenal making 55 staff redundant has on the players committed to a 12.5% pay cut in April to save jobs? The club are down to bring in Coutinho and William. Oh, I forgot about Coutinho. How are yeah. the optics on that? If you're if you're in their shoes, does it affect you signing on the dotted line? Well, yeah. Okay, I think if let, let's start from the perspective of um, William and Coutinho. So Coutinho sat on the bench for um, Bayern the, this morning. Um, but yeah, from their, from their point of view, I don't think it, it does, um, does you any harm at all to change clubs or move to Arsenal. Um, yeah, I think that they're looking for um, obviously some decent wages and some game time that they'll get at Arsenal. So I think from um, Williams and Coutinho's perspective, um, yeah, nothing really, really to mention there. Don't you think? Yeah, I think I think I think they're I think they're completely oblivious to the situation. To be honest. Um, so <laughs> next next one is um, Maurizio Pochettino has been sitting on the pine in his farm in Argentina for the last twelve months. True. With, with Sari getting sacked and Barcelona on the brink, where is Pochettino's next move, and does it tie to those two clubs? Yeah, interesting. I, I thought that um, there was a lot of chat this morning that um, if Barca um, botched this job uh, against um, Napoli, that um, there might be a spot there for Pochettino. And to go to Barca, I think that that kind of makes sense and that feels like a, a good fit for me. Um, but yeah, I think as you're, if you're Poch, um, I think you just wait out until someone comes comes looking for you. I'm not sure you're throwing your hat into the ring um, at the moment for any of these any of these teams. We mentioned that Sari just got the sack. 
Um, and so they've already appointed um, Pirlo in that in that space. So yeah, I think if you're Poch, you just wait this one out and and see what's coming in. What what about yourself? Do you think uh, Poch should should go looking for a job or just wait to see what comes his way? I don't think that he's looking for a job um, actively, but I think one just found him because I don't think Perlo will last in the Juve role. Um, I yeah, think okay. I think with the age of that squad and like Perlo, the meritocracy in management is gone because um, Perlo's got the job with zero coaching credentials. Like he's got he's got the license, he's got experience, um, but he's been in charge of the under twenty threes for like no time at all. Um, yeah. So I think I think the job I think the job will find him, and I think he'll be at Juventus relatively soon um, because like this, he's the best. Oh, well, between him and Allegri, and I think Allegri's immensely underrated. And um, between him and Allegri, there's there's two good managers just sitting, waiting, like hovering over anyone who yeah. who is even slightly looking like they're not going to be able to do the job. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had all year. Frank Lampard basically. He got a bit of a free ride, in my opinion, um, but but I think I think Poch will end up at Juventus. Um, Barcelona, he said those things about Barcelona. I think they're too proud to let him um, come back. in after that. But yeah, yeah I so, think I think Poch will end up at Juve. So, are you thinking that um, Pirlo is just a, a temporary um, interim manager? Or do I just don't, I just don't think he hasn't he hasn't last. proved anything. Yeah. Like you, he's going yeah. sh- like I know he's a cool, calm, collected guy. But like Sari just won the Serie A, which is unbelievably the minimum requirement for a Juventus. Like that's not even a pass mark for them. Like, yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. Like they're asking Pirlo to go out and win the Champions League with a squad which is going to be the best players are outside of Dybala are primarily on the wrong side of thirty. Um, and Pirlo could play till he was whatever age because of the way he played. Like not every footballer can play like Pirlo played. What are you thinking, player coach? <laughs> You don't see enough of those. In, I think Reno Gattuso could be player coach, but I've got a bit of an oh, affinity. He looks with him. very round. Looks <laughs> yeah, very but he just round. he just come on for a couple of minutes and kick someone and get then, the job done. Yeah, yeah, get the job done. He and the thing is too, if you started him, I guarantee he'd still finish the game. Like even though his fitness would be nowhere near, and he'd just find a way. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think Poch will end up at Juve because Perlo just <laughs> like he's not proven. He's gone straight into probably. Could I think it's one of the hardest jobs in football based on what you have to achieve to keep your job. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think, does that bring us to the end of the uh, the email section? Oh, no, we've got one more, do we? No, yeah, no, no, there's no – no, I'm not going to read that out. Um, it's it's come in from – it must be a younger listener or a, like I just can't understand it, so no more. <laughs> um, okay, no more. What, what I might do is then I might thanks, – thanks, guys, for um, sharing those. I might just file those in our um, in our filing system. There we are. Um, and so, Jobber, do you want to um, let everyone know how they get in touch with us if we have any more viewer questions? Yep. So um, if you can just send an email to footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. So that's exactly as it sounds, no spaces. Uh, footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Um, at this stage, if you email in, I will do minimal vetting. So um, <laughs> whatever, whatever you say will probably be read out. If I can read it is the only caveat. Yeah. No, it needs to be in um, English, Spanish, um, Portuguese. What other language do you speak? 
or um, Afrikaans, probably my bread and butter. But um, if it comes in any of them, I could probably read it or find the message in there. Uh, very good. All right, that brings us to the end of our end of our pod. Um, stay safe, everyone out there, and we will see you in a couple of days.